Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Our number two is here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. We are live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, the headline in the NFL currently at this hour, David Culley fired as the head coach of the Houston Texans. Comes at no surprise if you were going into the league, into the season, thinking what he was inheriting and the mess that he had to overcome and knowing how inept their organization is, not just from their front office, but from the ownership of Cal McNair. Um, and in thinking about what John McClain has told us on this show and what he's written about it at texassportsnation.com and what he said elsewhere, what he's tweeted, this is something that is a surprise to him based on the last week two weeks or so because he had been on this show regularly discussing how he Cully was going to get another year. Well, and just during the break, I'm thinking to myself, what changed? Because it was Saturday evening when the report came out from, from Houston uh, and uh, the, the Titans were there and the discussion was that Cully could be fired regardless of what happened in week 18, um, that the organization was looking elsewhere. The one when you ask yourself what changed in the the market of head coaches, what changed was there may have been a sense from someone connected through the Patriots organization that would now be with um, Casario, who he's close with, that a coach is going to be fired. That would have been Brian Flores in Miami, who has the connection in New England, who knows Nick Casario, and that would be the change that would spark the option to make the move and bring in a new head coach if, in fact, Flores got fired. that That's just another theory One to throw out as to why the change happened at the end of last week and why we weren't discussing Houston as a possibility the same way we would be discussing any organization. And why, if you're firing David Culley after a four-win season, you kind of know that by December and to me, they would have fired him to open up the two-week window to then start their interview process if you're doing this the right way. Again, they're inept. But the, if you're asking what changed, what changed was Miami. Miami's decision was they were going to fire Brian Flores. Uh, that could be it. Or they could have wanted McDaniels all along, known McDaniels wasn't going to talk early before the Patriots were out of it, had an unspoken understanding, just – sat on it uh, unbelievably for Houston it kept kept things quiet and um maybe but, so but if that's the case why not just hire him last year I don't understand I just listened to Seth Payne uh, our friend from Houston you know talking about the idea of Cully as a bridge coach what, what the hell do you need a bridge coach for just hire your coach the first time well they were such a mess that that no one wanted the to job get them through it no one wanted the job well, how much better is the job today than it it's was not. a year it's, ago Right. It's a so, complete mess. So what did the bridge do for you? Uh, it, they got you through a season yeah. where you charged full price on season tickets and got a TV contract money, right. and you played. But, but the job's not that much more appealing than it was a year ago, except you maybe are near the end of the Deshaun Watson uh, debacle. Maybe. maybe. 
Maybe, because now you've got Brian Flores who wanted Watson. And it's all interesting now uh, in Miami. So uh, Watson Miami might still- like Brian Flores, fine, but it doesn't make him like Cal McNair or Casario or Easterby. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I, that, that's all fair, too. And he's he's been set in his ways on not playing for the Houston Texans even prior to all the allegations. Paul, we saw uh, some good play from Julio Jones, Titans' number one seed. He was a big reason why the Titans, speaking of Houston, went to Houston and, and won the game. There were a number of factors, and it came down to the fourth quarter and Tannehill making a big play uh, to Nick Westbrook-Akina. But Nick Westbrook-Akina and Anthony Ferkser scored a touchdown. Uh, Akina had a big catch for 36, 37 yards on a drive-saving play that ended up being a touchdown uh, two plays later. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, and really Julio, uh, giving the production, to me, allows the offense to place Nick Westbrook-Akina in his proper role. Uh, and it allows Ferkser a little bit more room to work with in the middle that maybe you're not seeing as much. Maybe as a safety, you can cheat one or two steps. Uh, when you don't have options on the outside, like they did against the Houston Texans, and, and the defense was forced to make a decision on how to cover the Titans' passing game. All that being said, the Titans need his play, Julio's play on Sunday, to carry over to the postseason. And he has not been the player we saw Sunday on any type of consistent basis throughout the regular season. They, they seem very uh, intent on getting him the ball in a way that we haven't seen since Seattle in, in week two. Uh, I was surprised by it because yeah. uh, I, I really felt like they had given up on that. So good for them that, um, <clears throat> that they're able to change into that. Good for him that he is able uh, to go with it. Look, I was critical of him last week in wrapping up what he had done through 16 games. None of that changes by the fact that he was targeted for nine times, that he caught five balls for 58 yards and a touchdown. First off, some of these people that, that want to target me in this, you would think he caught 200 yards and <laughs> five touchdowns. Um, but secondly, he scored a touchdown. So his season totals now are a touchdown. I mean, are you guys really going crazy over him having a touchdown? Comp- guys who make comparable money to Julio Jones this year are Tyreek Hill made a little bit more and Stephon Diggs made a little bit less. Now, they played more than Julio Jones because they didn't have a balky hamstring that had to be talked about every single week. But those guys caught, you know, something around 100 balls, about 1,200 yards, and about nine touchdowns. <clears throat> I don't understand how you can argue with me about Julio Jones not producing to the value of the dollars. And that's not even getting into the second round pick plus that you gave up for him. I'm remaining calm here. There's no factual way that you can argue with me that they have gotten their money's worth plus trade value worth out of him. He has not been Stefan Diggs and he has not been Tyreek Hill. Period. End of argument. Now, I, I quickly, Paul, about- quickly, Paul, before you go, go back into this, I think part of the problem that the Titans fans are having with this and their issue towards you is that there are two separate arguments going on that I see. I even see this with some media members that cover the Titans. One argument is the one that you just laid out that you're 100,000% correct. You cannot argue that they're not getting their money's worth and his season has been an enormous bust and a disappointment so far. The other argument is that 
oh, well, you're saying Titans fans shouldn't have any hope that he can be better or that he can do anything in the playoffs. I don't know that you ever argued that, and I may be incorrect in saying that. My point to that would be, well, of course he can do better. The only way to go is better. Yeah. He, the, any, anything is better than nothing, and he's given nothing to the Titans up until this last game. So, of course he can be better and do something in the sure. playoffs if he's on the field and healthy. I have low expectations because my expectations, brace yourself for this, are generally based on what a guy has done. And this is how expectations around the world happen. Financial markets, all kinds of things that I don't understand are generally based on previous performances. And so my expectation for Julio Jones in the playoffs is based on not just this one game, though I know it's most recent and it's encouraging, but over what he's done over the course of the season. So it would be wonderful if Julio Jones can pick up where he left off in that Houston game. And there's potential for it. But am I incredibly optimistic that Julio Jones is going to be a super force for the Titans in the playoffs? I'm not. He could could be, and I might be wrong. And I'm not saying he absolutely won't be, but he could be. Now, here's something I am going to say outright. If you cannot control yourself on my argument that I just made, which is basically what I said last week, and you think that him having five catches for 58 yards and a touchdown – Somehow, it, it makes me evil, makes me incredibly wrong, gets you to your boiling point, so be it. But I, I, I think anyone could agree that I'm human to the point where I don't <clears throat> bring somebody's family into it. And when I have to get an email after that game saying nasty stuff about my kid, as if I have somehow slandered Julio Jones to the point that my kids should suffer as a result of it, it's just absolutely beyond reproach. And you need to check yourself. And and I understand that's one email from one person, but it reflected the tone of a lot of stuff I got. And what the hell is the matter with you? Look, I, I understand as a public person in the media like this, you open yourself up to some things like that, but this is not the heat of the political battle that we're having, not that it's right there either. I said a guy who hasn't produced much hasn't produced much. And you're talking crap about my kid. Think about it for a second. It's ridiculous. There's no excuse for that. Uh, I think everyone would agree. Don't bring family into anything on a sports debate, especially when you don't know someone and you're emailing from an anonymous account. Uh, ridiculous. I don't know the story. How did they bring in Simon to this storyline? I I got sent an email that comes through my websites. Uh, You know, you could make a submission. And so I got a nasty submission, you know, between the time I went down to the locker room and came up back through the locker room. What was the nasty part of it, though? Uh, You know, basically... Your, is your kid as dumb as you? I hope he's getting harassed at school uh, because you're such a bleephole, you know, on and on like that. Yeah. Um, ridiculous. You know, it, and I shouldn't let it get to me, but it's disconcerting. Also ridiculous that, and I feel like I have a pretty good sense of the way fans think about things because we're all fans at one point or another. I don't understand 
fans just unabashed protection, defense, propping up of someone who's been disappointing. Well, they weren't that way with Jadavian Clowney last year. So I, I would, what's the difference? But I would understand if this was if this was uh, Julio Jones who had been with the Titans for ten years and brought the team to a Super Bowl, and you know if he's a Falcon, for instance, and he's hurt over the year, and then a, a reporter who you don't like questions him, you know, has the audacity to question him about if he's worth his money that he's getting paid, then fans getting upset about that. The guy's been here for one season, and it's not been good. I don't – look, I'm fine with fans saying, Paul, you're wrong. He's going to be big in the playoffs. I believe. I think it's going to happen. Fine if you believe that. I've said it too. If I'm having to put a, one person down that, hey, this person has the capability to shine where they've done nothing all year, it's Julio Jones. But the big part of that is he's done nothing all year. So I don't understand complete defense of someone – that's done nothing his coach, for your team. His coach was pretty dismissive of him heading into that game, too. And, Hut, people were really applauding the answer that he gave last week, which was a, a team-first answer, like, hey, I'm not going to complain about not getting the ball. We have to be open to get the ball. But the one thing he said is You've like – You've also got to be available to play. Right. And the, and the one thing he said is like, hey, I'll go whatever way it is, if it's this kind of game, if it's that kind of game. Well, there hadn't been that kind well, of game. There had only been this kind of game. There had been the Seattle game, and all the other games had been I want to be fair to the conversation. Be fair to the conversation here, because uh, look, Julio hasn't been great. He's been good compared to where we were discussing this trade in July and August, and I'll explain. Because uh, let's just go through the numbers. We knew the Julio Jones from last year that Atlanta wanted to part ways with. How many catches did he have Sunday? That's what he averaged in Atlanta last year. So, Chad, you mentioned his availability. How many games did he play in for Atlanta last year? I'm guessing the eight. I, I, was, I was going to guess ten. I knew nine. it was right around so nine the same or ten. number this year. He's played in ten this year. Played in one yeah. more game this year than last year. So he's more available this year. We had than one last more year. game to play in. Now he's getting hurt in some of these games that he's actually played in, so the count for the ten. Uh, he has 31 catches last year. He had 51 catches. He has 434 yards to 771 last year. Um, he's averaging 14 yards per catch. He averaged 15.1 a year ago. And for all, I mean, the guy needs to produce. He should have. He should have had a touchdown catch in Seattle. Yeah, bad call. He scored this week. If if those are if we want to, he scored one touchdown officially. But if we want to count it as two, the dude scored three touchdowns last year in Atlanta. So. And, and if we want to, I, I personally was not comparing him to Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs. The money is comparable, but that's the price of having to trade and get Julio Jones. The money is the reason Atlanta wanted to trade him because they couldn't afford him anymore. And it was a guaranteed locked in type deal. So the Titans stepped up and made the move and they're in. And really what they're in for is what we saw last year. Five catches a game where he's, you know, he's averaging 15 yards per catch. And if he brings you that, there is reason for people to be optimistic. The problem is we haven't seen that consistently. It's been smattered. I mean, he's had his best game since week six this past week. And prior to that, his best game was against Seattle. And it's all like sprinkled across the season because the guy can't stay healthy. But if availability is a fact, I don't know what we were discussing with Julio joining A.J. Brown 
in August when there was nothing but optimism, if we're discussing availability now, and that he's actually been available for one more game than what he did last year in Atlanta. Just com- for comparison's sake. With with much less production, though. It's three catches a game as opposed to five. I mean, I would have expected more than what he did in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't think left. the Titans traded for him on the assumption he was going to replicate. First off, replicating a year ago would be nice. He hasn't even done that, and he's been available more games. But I don't think the Titans traded for that salary thinking that he was just going to be the worst Julio Jones that he was a year ago. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm thinking John Robinson pulls the trigger because he's thinking he's going to get something in the middle uh, between great Julio Jones and last year's Julio Jones. I'm not thinking. I'm not saying he's getting prime Julio Jones. Well, when he makes that trade, but Paul was also sitting here back in September saying we're judging Julio Jones based on the postseason. I mean, you're also sitting here saying that, Paul. I, I don't remember saying that. But it's completely possible. And we'll if, judge it. We're judging the a, trade in the playoffs. A, if he has a big postseason, we absolutely will. Uh, I mean, his story's not completely written. It's I, I just I find the offense on Sunday to be incredibly encouraging because what they did is they made Houston decide how they were going to cover them and that's what Julio brought with the nine the nine targets I was surprised by the nine targets too but Julio Jones coming to life and what we've seen in recent weeks is Anthony Ferkshire actually producing yeah he's great. also a guy who's been a complete dud in this in this season. Now he's coming to life. Nick Westbrook-Akina doesn't have to play above what he's available to do, and he's he's in that number three role, which he's very good in, where he's giving you 15 to 19 yards per catch, and, key and he's plays. catching two or three passes a game. That's great. Like If they keep A.J. and Julio doing what they're doing, they're going to be fine in the passing game. That's what's encouraging about how they're going into the playoffs. Here's the other thing that, that hangs over everything. Every time he walked off the field – in Houston, you're looking to see if he's going to oh, be walking back on the field. Of course. And, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the guy's not getting uh, any <laughs> – he's closer to retirement than he is coming back for another year with the Titans but based again, on the injury history. Th- this is a part that people really struggle with. The fact that I said through 16 games he hadn't been worth it, if he had gone off for 200 yards in game 17 – doesn't change what he did in the first 16 games. And people have a real hard time with that. I'm surprised you're surprised that people still have a hard time with that considering the players that you've ripped over the years that we always have this conversation about. I just, I, I, I hold, I, I'm surprised that you're surprised that I every time hold out my logic and expect people to understand simple logic. I'll think, never give up it's, on It's, on it's also two logic. different things. Julio Jones was a big disappointment in the regular season. Julio Jones has the ability, if healthy now, to deliver in the postseason, and the regular season won't matter. Yeah. I do agree with the Titans fans that say that. Well, Julio Jones None of very this is going to matter. If he, if he is a hero, I said this last week, if he has some heroic performance in an AFC championship game to beat the Chiefs in Nashville... None of this matters. Oh, yeah. And he's and very Titans fortunate. fans will love the trade, he's, and they'll love Julio Jones for it. He's very fortunate that this team managed to find a path to the number one seed with so little from him. But he doesn't have to be the hero. Which is part of what was a, a, a miracle about this season. He doesn't have to be the hero. He doesn't have to be Diggs oh, or Hill. They've got that dude. Well, provided that the passing game goes, and this translates into another conversation we'll have between now and the next game. Ryan Tannehill has a big chance to change perception of him He's not been a great playoff quarterback. 
Is he going to be a great playoff quarterback? I think he's going to need to be. If they're going to win three more games, he's going to need to be a great playoff quarterback somewhere in there. And that's relying on A.J. Brown and Julio Jones to a degree. Coming up, uh, what we were just discussing, a future Pro Football Hall of Famer and Julio Jones. We'll talk to another future Pro Football Hall of Famer. A finalist this year is Tony Baselli. And he's on the call for Dallas and San Francisco uh, radio this week, Paul, right? Yes. Okay. Dallas and San Francisco, great game. Uh, we'll chat about that. We'll chat about the, the Hall of Fame credentials. Uh, he's a friend of the show. He's been on uh, annually. We'll talk with Tony next on Outkick 360. We continue from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, All Smoky Moonshine. Crew's all here today. Pleased to be joined by Tony Baselli, Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist. Uh, he was the second overall pick in 1995 and was the first ever selection for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We say hello to Tony now, who will be on the call for San Fran at Dallas this weekend. Tony, great to have you back on the show. We appreciate the time. It's always good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. The, uh, the, the Hall of Fame selection uh, vote is normally Super Bowl weekend, and now it's coming up next Tuesday. Uh, you're a finalist yet again. What's the process been like knowing that it's next week instead of the normal weekend where you'll be on Radio Row making the rounds, getting ready for the game and the, the broadcast and everything else involved with it, and now you'll be sitting, I'm, I'm presuming, at home waiting on the, 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 the selection process to take place? Yeah, it, I think it's going to be similar to last year, um, and Paul knows this as well as I do. The, the voters got together early last year, did it virtual because of COVID and everything we're going through. And then we we did not find out last year the day the vote was over. It was over the next several days uh, they let people know. I mean, because it's a logistical issue for the Hall of Fame. They got to get. I know they want to tell the people in person if they can who make it, and then they make phone calls to the people who don't. Um, I it's unclear to me how they're actually going to do it. They are unclear with us. The guy sitting next to you might even have more uh, information. I don't know. I don't know if he does or not. <laughs> I don't even know who the fi- I, I won't even know who the final five are if they do it the same way they did it last time. So, what do they tell you? Just like have your phone near you for the next couple of days, or or how did it go down last year when you found out that you didn't? You just get a phone call. I just got a phone call from David Baker. Said uh, sorry, you didn't make it, and I said okay, uh, thanks. Uh, uh, and he was nicer than that. I'm not making yeah. light of it. Um, yeah, Paul, and real un- I, I'm unclear. I mean, maybe we'll hear more before Tuesday. They just said they're still working on the logistics, how they're going to let people know, stand by. And I said, great. Um, hopefully, uh, whether it's a phone call or they come knock on my personal door or however they do it, hopefully it's uh, better news this time. This is, you know, sixth time I've been a finalist and uh, always appreciative of the uh, the opportunity to be a finalist and have my name discussed in that room. And uh, we'll see where it goes. I think it's the seventh time you've been a finalist. I think you're losing count. Is it is it better to be in a hotel room waiting for a knock on the door or for it to be kind of hazier and less pinpointed time-wise like this? You know, probably um, – I think it's probably less stressful – not being in the hotel, you know, in that hotel, it's pretty stressful. Um, last year was interesting. So when I found out, I was actually on a work call. I was at a meeting with a client that I'm doing some work for. And I look and my phone rings and I see the uh, Canton, Ohio uh, area code. 
And I'm like, well, I guess I didn't make it again this year. <laughs> and so, um, either way, it's you know, it's it's a little bit stressful. I, I actually think it's more stressful for my family than anything. Um, uh, I try not to think about it. I have no control over it. You know, uh, you know, the reality is Paul has more control over it than I do at this point because I played the game. It's over. I can't go back. None of the playoff teams this week are going to let me go on the field and play one last game at left tackle for them to prove that I deserve to be there or, or, or don't. Um, and so my career was what it was. I got hurt um, out of my control and my career ended and we'll see where it goes. Uh, obviously I hope I get in. Um, it'd be a huge honor and uh, we'll just uh, kind of wait and see right now. Does it sting more or less as this process goes along? And it happens again to get that call. Does it start to get a little numb or does it hurt even more when it doesn't happen? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I, I, I honestly, I don't know. I try not, I haven't thought about it that way. Um, I think each time there's a little bit of disappointment. Last year was different though. It was probably the least disappointing last year. And I think a little bit of what it was, um, what we were going through with the pandemic, it was, you know, there, you know, in the middle of it, I had a tough, uh, I had a tough 2020, I, you know, started the year in the hospital with COVID, you know, my wife had a couple of cancer scares. Uh, my dad had cancer. He ended up passing away from it. So there was like so many other things going on in life. It was almost like I was numb last year. Like when I got the call, I'm like, whatever. Um, okay, move on. Like I got more things to worry about. Um, every other year besides last year, you know, you, you, I was very disappointed. And last year, after I thought about it for a while, as the weeks went by, I was disappointed, um, obviously. And uh, so it's, it's never easy. We're all competitive guys. I mean, we all are proud of what we did on the field. And, you know, you know we're type A, want to win. And, you know, when you get someone tells you you're not good enough to get into the Hall of Fame, you know, it obviously hurts a little bit. Is this neon jacket, shirt, shirt jacket, uh, <laughs> is this something you're wearing so that when you get the gold jacket, it'll be less arresting to people? <laughs> yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you for calling. No, I'll actually, uh, to be honest with you, I got uh, pulled it out in the dark this morning when I left. Uh, <laughs> really wasn't paying attention. I did not realize that the interview I was doing with you today would be on Zoom. I thought it would just be on the phone. So I did not really consider the bright yellow golf shirt that I am wearing. Chad, go ahead, get your sunglasses out. I, I don't have them on me right now, but they would certainly be appropriate right now with that shirt. Tony Baselli <laughs> with us on Outkick 360. Is the AFC, Tony, as wide open as it's ever been going into the postseason? Are we right to think that? You've seen the Titans a few times this season calling the games. Um, you certainly uh, know the AFC South well and, 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 and the AFC in general. Uh, from, from top to bottom, I, I think we could see any team make a, make a big run. Yeah, not, yeah not Pittsburgh. I, I agree with you. Like, yeah, I, not, I not Pittsburgh. Let me take that back. Yeah, not Pittsburgh. The one team, I was just going to say, the one team that I just don't see making much of a run is Pittsburgh, the way they played this year and, and kind of you know backdoored into the playoffs with the thanks of the Jacksonville Jaguars, by the way. Um, but the rest of the AFC, I think it's wide open. I, I really do. I actually, um, if Derrick Henry's healthy, and I was telling a buddy of this the other day, we were having a debate. My pick is the Titans. I think the, the I think Mike what Mike Vrabel did this year with that team with the injuries and with no Derrick Henry was remarkable. If he's healthy, 
Um, I think, and they're at home. I think they're a tough out in the playoffs, the way they play. They're mentally tough. They're physically tough. Um, I really like them. And then obviously it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes in the, uh, in the Kansas city chiefs. So I do think it's wide open. I think it's interesting. And I think the NFC is, you know, outside of green Bay, you know, you just hard, have a hard time thinking of people going through green Bay to win um, and get to the super bowl. But it wouldn't shock me any of those teams either that end up in the NFC championship. As a Jacksonville legend, just how crazy was the not even one year urban Meyer experiment and everything that went on this season, and then to watch Jacksonville just destroy the Colts <laughs> in a win-and-end situation for the Colts in the final game of the season, there were a lot of head-turners uh, this season in Jacksonville. What was well, all of this like? Yeah, we'd have to do a whole show for oh, yeah. me to walk, walk through this year with Urban Meyer from the beginning till when it finally ended. Um, it, I, the word that comes to mind is dysfunctional. Um, it was, it was bad. Uh, he was the wrong hire, obviously. Um, and the way that he ran the building and the team and all that went around was just, it was not good. And there needs to be a, a significant changes in Jacksonville to fix the football side of, of the, of the operation. Um, and I was just as shocked that we beat the Colts. I thought people asked me, I'm like, there's no chance we're winning this game. I mean, let's go back. We we gave up three, 273 yards rushing against the New York Jets and got beat pretty pretty well. We lost 50 to 10 to the Patriots the week before that. And now you have the Colts who just, you know, have this great rushing attack and, you know, win and they're in the playoffs. All they have to do is beat us. And we're, we're, we are completely scrambling just to get through the season. And, and the way they came out, they had no energy. They were flat. I thought they were tight. Um, Carson Wentz was, you guys saw the game, was terrible. Um, I was shocked that the Jaguars won that game. Tony Baselli is a Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, uh, Jacksonville Jags legend, and uh, he joins us on Outkick 360. What was the clown suit population for that game, and do you think it has a bearing on Shad Khan and how they will proceed? I mean, I know the fans have been upset there for a long time, and it's been an, an awfully long streak with the one AFC championship game uh, exception. But is management getting a different level of message from the fans now? Well, um, first of all, the clowns were in the hundreds, maybe, you know, a couple hundred, not very much. Um, I think there were some people handing out noses and stuff like that, but it was not, it was not noticeable. I mean, you looked around the stadium, you saw a handful of them. Uh, it was more on Twitter, the outrage. And I think and I think the fans are fed up. I think there's no doubt about that. I do not think at the end of the day, it will influence Shad Khan's decision. To be clear, Shad Khan runs football. The head coach and the GM both report to him individually. Um, and so with that said, I'm also not convinced that the changes that are going to happen in Jacksonville are done. Um, if you notice, he has not come out and said Trent Baalke is the GM next year. Trent Baalke is under contract and in, in, in very much to how Shad Khan operates. He does not like talking a lot in the media. Um, he feels like if you're under contract, come to work until I tell you differently. And so I, I really do think Shad is evaluating the entire organization on the football side 
We have a great business side under Mark Lamping, football separate. Um, and we'll see where he goes with it. I mean, right now, you know, he's interviewing coaches. Trent Balky's a part of the process at this point. So maybe Trent's going to be there. Maybe he's not. Um, I do know Shad is very disappointed, very competitive. Um, he gets a lot of heat, which he understands he should based on their record. But make no mistake, this is a this is a man in Shad and a family that cares deeply and has invested a lot of money. Now, they've gotten it wrong. There's no debating that. It's not a very good football team. It's a bad football team. Um, but I think sometimes yeah, the, the fans out of their frustration mistake that as though he doesn't care or it's an afterthought or whatever. That's not true. Um, hopefully he gets it right this time. And uh, I think all of us are in a little bit of wait and see of exactly what he does on the football side moving forward. Tony Baselli will be on the call for Dallas and San Francisco. That's a 4.30 Eastern kickoff time on Sunday afternoon. One of those throwback uh, playoff matchups, Tony, that you get to call between uh, San Fran on the road against uh, Dallas. Is Jimmy G ready to step up in Big D and, and make some big plays the way he did in the fourth quarter in overtime last week to get San Francisco into the postseason? Well, here's the thing about Jimmy G. I mean, like they traded out. They want to get rid of him. Everyone says he should, shouldn't be the starting quarterback. If you look at his winning percentage when he starts, I think it's like third behind Brady and Mahomes or something like that. I mean, or maybe fourth, maybe throw Aaron Rodgers in there. It's one of the best in the NFL, regardless. Um, and if you look at the second half of the season, the San Francisco 49ers were the best football teams in the NFL and in the NFC. Um I think this is a great game, and it would not surprise me one bit if San Francisco goes in there with that physical running attack in a defense that's playing really good right now and wins that football game. You know, with that said, you know, give you know what Dallas has done under Mike McCarthy. Obviously, they got Dak Prescott, um, who's an amazing quarterback, and Dan Quinn's done a great job on the defensive side behind Michael uh, Michael Parsons. So they have a lot of talent as well. I mean, I'm biased because I'm doing the game, but I think this might be the best game of the weekend. And I think it's going to be super competitive. I think it's going to be physical. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it. Does, does Dallas have their full gauntlet at, at, at tailback now? Are they healthy? Well, you know, as, as I go through the week and look at the injury reports, we'll see. You know, my, my theory of playoff football is if you can walk – yeah. And you can get on the field, you're 100% healthy. I mean, like you, like guys, I mean, I remember when, when I was playing, you do anything to get on the field during playoff football. There's nothing better than this time of year as a player. And you don't know any opportunities you'll ever get to go do it. And so my guess is they will have anyone who is breathing, walking, COVID-free that can be on that field playing. Hey, so I think you'll you'll get a kick out of this either way on how you answer it or how Chad's about to answer it. So I, I, at least I, I, at one point, you owned a Whataburger in Jacksonville, right? Or do, do you still? I own several, and okay. I do not any longer. Oh, you don't any longer. Okay, this will be great then. Smart move. So uh, we just we just <laughs> we just got our first Whataburger here in Middle Tennessee for the uh, okay. and, and Chad went for the first time to taste Whataburger. And he does not have a glowing review. And I was going to get your reaction to how he describes the burger, if you don't mind. Are you willing to do yeah, that? Yeah, please. I'd love to hear it. Well, it's, I thought the service was good. Uh, and it, it, granted, it's brand new. 
And part of this may be because it's been hyped so much by people that talk about it like it's some revelation when you bite into this Whataburger. When I bit into this Whataburger, I, if you would have told me it was a Sonic burger, I would have said that that's it. It is an exact replica of a Sonic hamburger, and I thought the fries were slightly worse version, uh, versions of the McDonald's fries. I thought it was tasty. I mean, I'll go back at some it. point. I'm, I'm not saying if I'm getting off an interstate exit and I see a Whataburger, <laughs> I'm not avoiding it if I'm hungry. It was fine, but it is no nothing life-changing. That, that would be my assessment. Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, to compare it to Sonic, I just disagree 100%. Number one, the patty's much bigger unless you got the junior burger or something. You <laughs> no, I got, I got the double. He eats children's burgers uh, only. I got, the, I got the double burger. Trust me. I, I do not eat children's burgers. I got the double burger, and I'm telling you, if I put it, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to go get a Sonic double burger and this double burger. This is the And I, I'm willing to tell you, maybe it's changed since you own this thing, Tony. The, the Sonic meat is bigger than the Whataburger meat. Like there wasn't much meat in this. Listen, I have no dog. I have no dog in the fight. Great. Um, I enjoy a Whataburger. I agree with you on the fi- number one. I, I like McDonald's fries, so I, I think McDonald's fries are a thousand times better than Whataburger fries. Personally, now the key thing with fast food fries, you know this, is how fresh are they when you get them? Because yeah. when they're hot. Most of them are pretty good. If you get a batch that's been sitting a little bit and then they sit in the box too long in your to-go bag and they're soggy, they're miserable. Um, but I'm a big double meat, double uh, cheese guy at Whataburger. I think it's a good burger. Um, is it my favorite fast food burger? It's up there. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's better than Sonic in my personal opinion. You Why did you have- get out? How much, how much profit did you turn here? He bought that shirt with his profit. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. Let's put it this way. If I was turning profit, I'd still be in it. <laughs> <laughs> that you should have seen the line wrapped around this building. Oh my Tony. God. It's it, unbelievable. It's been like a, a local story doing. for a year that it was coming and yeah. it finally opened. It, it opened last week. And I mean, there are still I walked right in today because people just want to sit in line at the drive thru for whatever yeah. reason. I walked right in, ate, got out of there in thirty minutes, no problem. Uh, and again, I don't think it's bad. I just didn't find it that good. I, I, so it's the want, same as so I like. Yeah, I, I 100% disagree there. Uh, try the taquitos. Okay. The breakfast taquitos, outstanding. And they also have a, at least I think they still do, a honey chicken biscuit sandwich. Unreal. Yeah. So outstanding. They, yeah. Now, they have a Dr. Pepper milkshake. That's on the menu that really intrigued me. That's the one that people were responding to my tweet about and said, you got to try the Dr. Pepper milkshake. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I saw that and, and really gave it some consideration. Yeah. No, I'm on a, my, I'm on a uh, wife-induced diet right now, so I can't eat Whataburger. So, uh, but as soon as I, she lets me off of it, I'll, I'm going to have to go. Uh, you're making me hungry. It sounds good. You're a West Coast guy. None of this compares to In-N-Out, right? Yeah, I'm a big In-N-Out guy. Uh, I mean, Invest in I mean, that. Yeah, I'm huge in and out now. I'm also I do in and out a little bit different because you know that's a smaller patty. At minimum, you got to get the double double. Sure. I've been known to go a four by four, so four patties wow. um, <laughs> because you get plenty of meat. You get the extra animal sauce. You get the grilled onions. Tony, that is a um, Hall of Fame order, right dude, there, we're, my friend. We're going, that is a Hall of Fame order. We're going to in and out with you uh, at the Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll be there. That's hey, a date. Hey, let's uh, hey, listen. Hey, Paul. I'm only going if I make the Hall of Fame. So if I if I make the Hall of Fame, I'll treat deal uh, in and out and all you can eat in and out 
uh, for that matter. We're, we're going out of fast, boys. Yeah, we'll be ready. Hey, <laughs> uh, when you get in, Tony, we want to have you back on the show uh, prior to the Super Bowl. If you get, I don't know when the call is going to happen. You know, we'll yeah. see. Maybe it's next week. We'll, well, we'll, we'll, there's we'll a, chat. There's a, good chance, there's a good chance I'm doing the Tennessee game next week uh, awesome. for Westwood One. Oh, so good. if I do that, we'll, I'll definitely love to join you again. Awesome. See you then. That'd be great. Tony, Thanks. appreciate you, man. Hey guys, Tony Baselli, Pro Football Hall of Fame finalist, great dude, and uh, I remember him chatting about the Jacksonville Whataburger. That it was the Baselli place. At memory, least that's buddy. what I had always been told. Whenever we would travel there to, you know, the guy the got Titans out of a Jack. failing. The guy got out of a failing business, so Nashville <laughs> goes and gets ten of them. Coming up, we uh, discuss some of the matchups for the wild card divisional round. And Armando Salguero will join us as well on Outkick 360. We should have got something better than that. Hutton with Rowan Koharski with you. Outkick 360 rolls on from Old Smoky Yeehaw Beer. The location is 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville. I was just thinking on the heels of that, what Tony Baselli did was he got in and out of Whataburger. Yes, he did. Well said. Cash in, cash out. Well said. And now he's looking for the opportunity to get in with in and out. Yeah. That's the next step. Well, that conversation about in and out spreading east has been going on forever. I mean, the, the discussion on my timeline right now with my Whataburger take is just blown up. Everybody's got an opinion on fast food burger chains and, and which is the best. Uh, I'm telling you, though, it is a spot on Sonic Burger. That is, that is what a Whataburger, that's what it is. Both that means I both will be you. good. Both I trust you. I'm fun. not particularly interested in trying it out. Well, I mean, I mean, I am just to see what all. What well, I mean, I'll been... try it out for the debate, but I'm not like looking to make a special trip. Paul prefers to make fun of things without trying from it. a distance. Yeah, he likes to just. I don't want to watch it like Friday Night Lights. I just want to make fun of the show and everybody who likes it because if I watch it, I might like then it. I like it in Friday Night Lights, 72 episodes. But listen, here's another thing. I have some people who I can't stand who love this thing. Yeah. And I prefer to dislike them in tandem. The people and the burger. Um, Chris Ballard with the Colts held his end of season presser today and gave no vote of confidence for Carson Wentz uh, moving forward. And when he was asked about it, he said, and this is from Stephen Holder of The Athletic, when we made the decision to make a move on Carson, at the time of the decision, we felt good about it. And I still don't regret it. I won't make a comment on who's going to be here and who's not going to be here. That's not fair. That from Chris Ballard. This is the guy that ultimately makes the decision on Wentz now because they followed Frank Reich, who wanted to work with Wentz again. And Frank Reich throughout the season has admitted that Ballard has been the one that has kind of checked him or has kept Reich from keeping things easy on Wentz because of their prior relationship. Ballard is a no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is guy in, in the room privately. And there is no doubt that they've had to, some some heart-to-heart conversations. Now, Ballard did say that he supports Frank Reich uh, and the job he's doing. But Wentz uh, is, oh, I think he only, if they release him, he would only count about $15 million on the cap next year. Yeah. And they have about fifty million in room based on the projections I was reading last night. So, uh, and it's also a very tradable contract for a team that is looking for an option at quarterback. I just can't see anybody 
You said the same thing about Minshew, and yeah, a couple but, days later he was traded. But Minshew was, uh, A, I mean, he had some upside. B, he was more of a backup. C, he was very That's what Wentz very is. affordable. Wentz, for a backup price, is very expensive. Um, and you're taking on uh, a contract there. I, they should have moved up and drafted last year. I mean, they could have had Mac Jones. Instead, they went with the quarterback that they knew instead of the quarterback that they didn't know, and Wentz was good, they didn't but have not a pick. great. They didn't have a pick, though, because they traded it for DeForest Buck. Good, not great, and they don't have a pick now in the first round because they traded uh, away for Carson Wentz. Headlines stuck. when we return, including the most appealing matchup for the Titans in round two next. <laughs> 